How are we doing, Derek? Hey, man. Can you hear me? All good? Yeah, I can hear you good. You see me okay? Yeah. There we go. This, this How's it working? going? Fine, how are it you? Be. Very, very good. Yeah. It's great, man. It's been a while. Been too long. Everything good? Very much. Considering? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, I was saying earlier on, you know, we, we, yeah, we're living through a future history lesson right now, which is it's insane. Yeah. And, um, you know, the fact that it's the whole world, this is a, it's such a bizarre thing because it's, it's, it's everyone. If it was just you guys, we'd be less concerned. <laughs> Vice versa, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we've but been, it's several. We've been trading, uh, like, which country can make the worst decisions back and forth for a while now. So at least now we're in this one together. Right. That's right. That's right. And it's, uh, I mean, the, yeah, it's, um, it's fun. I mean, it's part of the reason for kind of doing this was just to kind of think, well, you know, this is not something that either of us would normally do. But I think that right now it's such a bizarre thing. The, uh, the idea of kind of um, us kind of connecting and talking, um, I think is kind of important, very important. Sure. No, yeah, normalcy. Yeah. Con connectivity, all that stuff. All that stuff, all that jazz. All that jazz. But yeah, so um, how's, uh, how's life? Because you're, you're currently in New York, right? Or are you back in... No, in yeah. Yeah. How is it out there in America? Because New York is a big, big city. I'm, I'm down. I've moved down to the countryside, so I'm a little bit kind of sheltered from where I was previously. But you're obviously in a big, major city. So how's that? Yeah, good. It's. Uh, I mean, the streets aren't completely empty, but people who are out there, it's you know mostly people, uh, uh, city workers and uh, de delivery people, like lots of people on bikes delivering food and whatnot, um, and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 eerie. The streets, uh, you know, there's not a lot of cars on the street, um, but it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's like it's like Walking Dead. If like some of the people didn't know they should stay inside, you know, it's just like it's only partially uh, uh, vacant. Mine, where I live, I live in a small village uh, down in the Dorset countryside, and it, might, it really looks like The Walking Dead because only the old people are going out, and the old people move so oh. slowly that they kind of shuffle along anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that it makes really sense. does look like it. But yeah, they're ignoring government warnings because you know, yeah, they're insane. It's yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I mean, it's a new world now. Everything's changed. Everything. Look at this. This is happening. How did this happen? This is what it took to make this happen. <laughs> it took a pandemic to get me to go on fucking Instagram and do it. Right. Live. That's that's You're how. Right. Or is that I'm doing an Instagram live story? Oh, we we must admit it's a damn sight cheaper than us taking flights. You know. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, so it's much easier. But yeah. So, so um. So what is this? And someone, someone explain this to me. Like I don't know what, what, what do we? What is? Is this it? Do we do it? You do you know you're looking at a phone, right, Derek? What's that? You know you're looking at a phone. So there's a phone. Yeah, but I usually don't like. <laughs> I usually don't like make a phone call and then invite the rest of the world to listen in on it. So it's right. it is a little different. I mean, for me, it was just about trying to at this time have a space for as a community us to just talk. And I mean, look, the, like I was saying to you earlier on, like the, the thing is for us to just, you know, in the same way as if you and I meet up and have a coffee, this should uh -huh. be no different. 
So, and I think that right now, when a lot of a lot of people in our community um, don't have that, um, or it might be scary, I just thought, you know, it's a, a cool thing to maybe kind of show that there is a connection between us all, you know, on some level. Maybe maybe it's because I've had kids that I've turned into some big softy, and you know, it's. It, I believe it. I I I I love people now. You know, one, first of all, I thought I was dead inside and then I had kids and I went, oh, yeah, I can love. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Good. It's fine. That's good. Yeah, because you were yeah. a cold son of a bitch. You really were. Just cold. Oh, one yeah. hand cold everything else. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, because we, we met a long, when did we first meet? Was, was it we first meet in Vegas? It was Vegas. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, we did. Um. I think I have pictures of the first time we met, actually. Uh, you? If you have them on you, then this... <laughs> I might, I might, this is super I might, weird. Yeah, because I wasn't taking it. You and I were, you and I were busy. But, um, but yes, yeah, someone was taking photos of the first time we met. And I remember it was kind of like meeting... It was like meeting like a bizarro bizarro world version of me like now it's easy to tell which one's evil because evil one always has the beard or the goatee but like <laughs> didn't have it was harder right and it yeah. was it was and you remember we kept showing each other things and we each we each had like we had already come up with things that the other one had come up with um i remember when when i came up with the in the hand shuffle this is the first time i even heard of you and someone's like Someone's like, there's a guy who's like putting out a set of videos I saw that has that. And I was like, oh, god damn it. And, and sure enough, it was. It was bizarre and it was we just we had very similar concepts and ideas of how sleight of hand should work. Uh, it's one of those things that you'd say you'd show something and I'd go, yeah, yeah, I've got that. Yes, yeah. this. And you'd go, yeah, and I'd go, ah, ah, but have you seen this? And yeah. you'd go, yeah, like this. And it just yeah. literally did that for hours and hours, and it was great fun. It was great yeah. fun. It was, um, um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, let me see if I can find it while I'm talking. Um, but, it, so you, you've done you've done a few of these now, and, and people just sit here listening. I'm an experienced pro. I have done four. Oh, yeah. This wow. is number four. So there's Four. like seven people <laughs> in on this conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Well, look, yeah. it's also a way for me to kind of like, in, in all honesty, talk to people that um, I want to talk to, friends of mine, um, have that connection for us as well. And I don't know. It's just fun. And um, uh, do you, do you, do you, do you uh, what do you want to talk about? What would we normally talk about? Stuff that wouldn't be for broadcast, probably. Well, yeah, well, I was going to say, well, <laughs> probably something Steve Forty was working on, but he published all that, so it's not really worth talking about. Hang on. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah. What's the point? Um, I, remember, I remember once uh, uh, Bill Malone and I were at a diner, and we sessioned for, I don't know, two or three hours on nothing but Steve Forty material. And Steve was sitting six chairs away from us, just right down the other end of the table. And at one point we realized we've been here talking, we've been sessioning on Steve Forty material for hours and Steve's right down at the end of the table. Um, but you know, was, that was always one of the things that I was always really envious of you because I was always like, 
because I remember you saying to me, like, I know you've come up with all these things, but how did you come up? Like, where were you, like, living in the middle of nowhere? Because I used to be like, you, you, you'd be able to see Bill Malone and Forte. And, and I, when I grew up, I didn't have any of that. So when I met you and we were like, trading I, I, ideas. You had Michael. So. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, but I, I, was, um, I was an isolated kid. So yeah. I, I didn't mix much. So I was always so envious of the people you had around you. It's just an amazing I was group very, of people. I was very, I yeah. Was very, I mean, I, I had, um, I had some good influence. I heard you uh, as I was trying to log in. I heard you uh, talking about Williamson, um, who is, you know, yeah, he's, he's the best. Well, well, I've already said. To, I've already said. Look, we we we're not allowed to say that because every time I see him, I'm filled with this internal desire to just say, "You, you're the best." I mean, I just it just wants to come out of me. I just, you're the best, and uh, not just with sleight of hand. People don't realise that he's just there's so much stuff that he's good at. Way beyond that, it's just his his mind and everything. But he always um, he hates me saying it, so I I promised him that I won't say he's the best. All right, clear as I can be. So I think it's good right. that we both don't don't say that he is the best. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, he, I've, I've I've talked about him. I've talked about him enough. He's uh, I've never. I mean, he's yeah, he's the best. He's better than I've never seen anyone better in terms of sleight of hand and magic. You know, there's just no one better. Uh, yeah, and uh, certainly certainly more natural. Like, yeah, that's. There's no moment. There's no. There's no hesitation. There's commitment to every 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 move has a commitment to it and and an intention. Uh, uh, someone said, "What does the best mean?" It means better than you and everyone else. That's what the best means. It means there is objective best. There well, is. I th- I, there is an objective best. Like I, I think in terms of uh, uh, of of it is it is. I mean, Steve Forty is the best sleight of hand artist in the world, bar none. There's no one even. There's not even a close second place. It's just there's Steve, and there's everyone else. But his is very specific to uh, his field, uh, which is different than magic. Um, and as far as sleight of hand and magic goes, Williamson is is the best because in magic, it's about what you are able to conceal and reveal. And how you can make it look as if nothing is happening uh, when something is happening, and Williamson, it, 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 something about the way he is allows him to be so natural that there's no moment that you can feel the the you know the the secret action. It just doesn't exist in his hands. Uh, the the best you can do is intuit that oh that that was the move. Um, that was the moment. So uh, there are people who do some things better than Williamson, but Williamson does everything as well or better than you've ever seen it done. And that's what qualifies him as being, you know, the best is that it's one thing. There are people who probably handle coins, you know, in more elegant fashion, or maybe they do a better attention vanish, but Williamson can do everything you do and everything he does and everything they do and everything they do all at, at, a, at a level that's so high it's it's kind of unbelievable that anyone can achieve that on so many different um you know it'd be like being an olympic athlete and 
being able to win every single event. You pole vault, you can ice skate, you can, you know, you can do the, the triathlon and the sprint. I, mean, Williamson, I want to see him do those things. You know? And so everyone else has very mm. specific, narrow, you know, things that they're good at. And Williamson does them all. And he does them better than everyone. And so, uh, you know, show me someone who can do all of these things as well as Williamson. And yeah, okay, he can have the title. But until then, Williamson's the best. You know, and it's why Steve's the best when it comes to just overall sleight of hand is, is he can do, it's not, oh, he does great fall shuffles and great fall steals. It's like he does all of the card stuff and he then says, oh, I'm actually a dice man. And you're like, oh my God, that's just horrifying. Uh, uh, Malone has, Malone has uh, one of the best, a few of the best stories about uh, Steve is uh, he was sessioning with him and said, um, how many mucks do you think, you know, how many card switches do you, do you think, you know, Bill said this to Steve and Steve was like, I don't know, a few, a lot. And he goes like, like fundamentally different. You think, you know, like 20 different, different mucks. And he's like, yeah, and he goes different, all different. He goes, yeah. And he goes, do you know, 30 different, like different mucks. Steve's like, yeah. Shut up. You don't know. He goes, yeah, I think I do. And he goes, 50. Do you know 50 different mucks? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, show me. And Steve's like, ah, I don't know. He goes, show me. He goes, all right, come back tomorrow, and I'll do them for you. And Malone said, can I film them? And Steve said, sure. Steve just wanted a night to run through. So uh, he uh, comes back the next day. And Steve's sitting there. He's got a little piece of paper with the checklist of all the mucks that he's going to demonstrate. And Malone turns on the camera and starts filming. And Steve, one after another, demonstrates these mucks. And each one is more interesting than the next. And they're all perfect, flawlessly executed. And he gets through the list of all 50. And Bill shuts off the camera and says, Jesus Christ, that is... I, I didn't. I honestly didn't think that you, you that that's possible. And then he looks down at the paper and he realizes Steve's like halfway through the list. And he's like, "Wait, what are those?" He goes, "Well, those are the rest of them." And he said, "What you? What? Show me those." He goes, "You only asked for 50. And then you know, didn't show him anymore. Uh, but like, that's that's how good Steve is, and that's how good Williamson is. It's it's it's. It's what we see, what we see, what we see, you know, on Instagram or on media or any sort of form of product that's put out in the world. We're, we're seeing the best of what someone has. More often than not, we're seeing the best of what they have to offer. But the really great guys, you're, you're seeing the tip of the iceberg. What you're seeing is just a part of a, of a much larger canon of work or body of work that they have. And... Uh, the really great guys are the guys who you keep digging and you keep finding more. There's just more, there's more there, you know? So I think of Williamson, I think of Forty, I think of Weber, you know, I think of um, uh, guys like, uh, like Luis Piedrita in Spain, which is like, how, how do you, and it's because they're always thinking, they're always generating and they're always striving for something that isn't just what you're going to see. It's what they want to, uh, you know, experience or be able to explore um and jason is one of the best someone's saying jason english one of the jason one of the best card handlers in the world easily 
easily. Um, and Jason, I remember, Jason would be the first to tell you that Steve is by far the best that no one will ever touch ever. So, say that Jason was about to say that he's one of the best. I was like, <laughs> was I, think, I think there's a science to it in a sense. I mean, there is a science to you can see something or not see something. You can perceive something or not perceive something. I don't think that's what makes a great artist. I don't think that being the best side of hand artist in the world doesn't mean you're the best artist in the world. I mean, that's why Ricky Jay was the best side of hand artist. He was the best artist because he took the medium and he transcended it to places that other people couldn't. Uh, and, 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 and he did it with things that, you know, other people, he did it with Triumph. He did it with Hofsen's own material. He did it with, you know, Patter from Erdnays. He did it with things that we all had at our disposal. But he found how it connected to him and how that connected to the world in a way that translated to something very special, you know. So, yeah, this so saying Jay had... Um... Oh, go ahead. So yeah, Jay, Ricky Jay had one of those things as well, where he had the ability to just make even a layman, just an audience member, feel that they'd seen the best without yeah. necessarily needing to tell them. And that's that's, that, that's a special thing. And that's yeah. a very and also very quickly before I forget to get back to Steve, uh, I was having dinner with Forte, and he showed me some of the best shuffle work I'd ever seen with no cards. He had. He was showing me uh, yeah. an example of some techniques with sugar packets, and he took. You know the little the, the pink sugar packets you have, or the sweeteners. Yeah. Uh, he took like a stack of them on this side and a stack of them on this side, and he was like, "I know, you do this, and they go through this way." And I used to and and I was sitting there blown away by these concepts. And he didn't even have cards; he had sugar packets. Yeah. And so I was sitting there going, "Yeah, he's uh, he's a he's a smart, smart, clever, talented dude." And you know, and also that's a really good thing that right now, what's amazing is that people like to talk about the golden age of magic, right? And there's always these greats that exist in the past. There's always going to be a past, and there's always going to be greats that exist within it. But right now, we have some of the greatest that have ever been in different areas, you know? And that's yeah. a brilliant thing for people to be able to look at and go, right now, you're looking at some of the best people that have ever lived in this art form, and they're right there at your fingertips to yeah. watch how they move, watch how they think about, so watch how they transition between things and look where the, what their motivation is and it's an amazing amazing time yeah the challenge is the challenge is cutting through the noise you know the challenge is, is sifting through it's you know signal to noise ratio it's sifting through to find what what is true what is actually quality what is what is good you know and so when uh, uh, I see a lot of names popping up here and you know, of people throwing out who's good and, and yeah, and the names mentioned are good. You know, Gabby's great. I saw Jared Kopp join. You know, Jared's one of the best sleight of hand artists I, I've seen, like, especially today, like young guys. He's one of the only people who is really, you know, amazing in terms of like craft because he had a teacher and he had, he, he was raised like a student, you know, a real student, not someone who's out there just to, you know, get their name out there, but actually learning it the way that kind of the old timers did, the way that you and I thought it should be. Of, of you, you go learn at the feet of the master. Jared did that with several people, and he's still doing it today. Um, and uh, and also, Jared, I knew this is one of the reasons I knew it was a good. I said this previously to on one of the ones I did before. I think it was I was speaking to um, Kenna yesterday, and I was saying to him then that one of the things I love when I meet people 
you know, because, you know, we've known each other for over 10 years plus, whatever it is. And most of these people, people I've known, the relationships go back because when I met them, I thought they were good people. And one of the reasons I'll say Jared's a good person. When I first met Jared, again, must have been 12, 15. I can't remember when it was. But him and I were talking gambling stuff. And this was very much when he was heavy into the gambling. Well, you and I were as well, like really heavy into that stuff. And um, when I got home, he had sent me uh, about a few days later, turned up at my house, a, a Roll the Bones, uh, which is a, a whole book on kind of gambling stuff. But there was, he didn't need to do that. It wasn't a magic book. It was a really beautiful book, all on the kind of history and stories that were present in gambling. And I was like, that's a, that's a really good person. That, yeah. that decided to do that. And so one of the big things for me has been over the last 10 years is being able to separate and, you know, good people, really good people and valuing and treasuring them when I see them and meet them and trying to honor that relationship as much as possible. And, um, you know, yeah. I never, never forget those things ever. But it's like, interesting to me, though, because, like, I see some of the names I see, you know, popping up here are are out of are, are out of the content like when we were talking about sleight of hand you know um, there's a, there's like uh, i'm seeing people that are great but not in the context that we're talking about which is interesting it's fascinating to me because like i've always been like i i i differentiate like greatness of like it's okay that there are other people who are great at specific things, you know, like people throwing out their favorite magicians versus isolating what the, what the thing that defines their greatness is, you know, uh, 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 you know, like Gabby, I saw Gabby Perez mentioned, you know, Gabby's a genius. Gabby's brilliant, you know, uh, uh, but Gabby's genius is, you know, very clearly defined in his work of, of you know, fictional magic and, and, and metaphor and, and making magic poetic. Um, that's different than being able to do cups and balls. And Gabby wouldn't, you know, like the way that someone like Williamson might, you know. And so it's like, you know, Gabby's able to create a mystical feeling that, you know, an in intimacy with the objects and with the storytelling that someone like Williamson probably can't, you know, because Williamson's a force of nature. So it's just interesting that like I see I just I see I see a lot of this in the magic community I guess where it becomes about like you know pointing out the like it's not a pissing match of who's who's like it being objective about it of, of what is what is great like every person on the list like that I've seen named I've spoke, like, talked to them about it, and they all, like, whoever, Garrett, you know, guys like that, they're all going to say the same thing about who who is the greatest. And they're all going to agree, like, Williamson is either the best or at the top of the list. Like, these are not, and because there's things that did you really are truths, you know. The, um, so, so I, I, I thought of a way to find that objective truth at one stage. Can you still see me, by the way? Because my picture felt like it went dark. Okay, that's fine. Um, which is, I put a thing on Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, learning about, so, I'm learning about trolling also. I'm, I'm like oh, reading things. Well, that, that's just it's unnecessary. But yeah, so the I thought about what's an objective truth for, for finding who the best is. But is there a way to objectively look at it? And so I put a, oh, uh, an S. 
an essay on Instagram, which was purely about if aliens landed, right? If aliens landed and mm -hmm. the destruction of the planet was imminent. And, and they said, all we care about is you have to provide a magician to complete a magic task. And we don't know if it's going to be um, kind of fooling them with sleight of hand, if it's going to be with cups or balls. We don't know. You have no idea what the magic task would be. Yeah. It could be stage, could be close up. But you yeah. can only nominate one magician. Who do you put in? And my, my thinking is, in if the world rested on it, mm. what, what magician would you want in charge of that? And for, for me, it was like, I'd, I'd put Williamson in. That's uh, my, my, my answer might be different for that question. My answer would, for that <laughs> would be, would be uh, maybe Eric Mead okay. uh, or, or Weber. Those, those would be one of those guys. Um, okay. Uh, uh, because they, the, the, um, they, they understand the enemy. Uh, and and <laughs> being the audience, like in terms of how to best destroy the enemy, and uh, and and so uh, uh, <laughs> that's a different game. That's a good game, though. It's a good game. Well, I mean, Williamson was the person who told me he's like, they, your job is to destroy them. That that was Williamson's advice yep. to me. Your job is to absolutely destroy them, and if you don't do that, you fail. And so. That that is good advice and it's accurate. It's like unless you have wrecked them and left them feeling like they're a shell of a person, you haven't you haven't quite done enough. Um, but uh, uh, Luke, One, is that really Luke, or is this like are there fake Luke Germays online? I see Luke saying um, maybe there's a distinction between a magician and a conjurer. Yeah, sure, okay, yeah. I mean, there can be. That, this is the thing though about about truth and objective truth. It's like I. Art, art is. Everyone talks about like the subjectivity of art. That's 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 a spectator talking. Art is subjective to the viewer. It shouldn't be subjective to the maker, to the artist. Art should be sub fucking objective to the person making it. They should have a goal. They should have intentions. Those are all objective things. The subjectivity comes from the experience of the viewer, not from the creator. So when I say Williamson's the best. I don't, there's not some measure, a way to measure that. It's because I, as someone who does this, chooses to believe that that is the model and the standard to which I will strive to achieve. So when anytime we say someone is the best, we're, we're saying it from our personal point of view, our personal experience. That is, that is obviously subjective, but as a creator, you make the choice to decide what the best is. And then strive for that, and it is a choice, uh, um, but it's a choice so, that you have to commit to, you know. Also, there's that because <clears throat> I, I think magic is a really, really, I mean, like anything, but magic in particular is really tough. And I think that you know, there's one level you can sit back and <clears throat> you can look at it. It's not like necessarily, I don't think, um, <clears throat> a completely linear scale. It's like you were saying. There's there's all these different branching ways in which magic can be beautiful, wonderful, amazing, and it can all go off in these different directions. Um, but it's very difficult. Like I found that when I was young, knowing what you want to do and how you go about doing it and in which direction you go and what, and, and I think it's so difficult because when you're trying to make all those decisions, it's really difficult to know how to orientate yourself to the, to everyone else, which direction to go in and it's i think a lot of the time people get punished for making the wrong decisions early on but whereas the reality is that a you have to make mistakes and b it's 
really difficult to know what's right and what's wrong. It's such a difficult art form. It's yeah. Well, there's two things at play. There's the craft, which is the you know the, whatever you're doing and showing them the tools. Here's how I like to think of it. The craft is the tool that you pick up to dig the art out of yourself. Does that make sense? Like the craft is yeah. the thing you pick up. The craft is the yeah. thing you use. The craft is the thing you show people. That's not art. That's just a thing. Most magicians do craft. They, they pick up a tool and they show you what that thing does or how they use that thing. But it's as an artist, it's your job dig out the art and the art doesn't exist outside of yourself. It exists in you and it's your job to find it and look inward and to dig it out of yourself and to show the world here. This is, this is a part of me, which is a part of the world, you know, and, and trusting that that is a reflection of others. That is, that is, you know, that is something that they also recognize. That's what here is this for you. So in that space, do you think then, I mean, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate with this question, but, yeah, you know, well, do you think that the job is to find artistic stuff? Like, do you think that the job is to, is to look for artistic things? And, and because do you think that not everyone is capable of them? Do you think that, you know, what, what do you think about that argument? You know, do, do you think it's the, the role of someone to have to go for something artistic or is it okay to just play? <laughs> No, it's okay to just, it's just, I'm, uh, and I think, I think that the craft or the medium can transcend into art. I think Luke is a perfect example um, of someone who doesn't need to do anything other than he is the art, he is an artist doing art through a medium and it doesn't need a message or doesn't need, it just needs to be transcendent and there are different ways to do that, you know, and, and I think that, you know, uh, I've seen, you know, like Eric Mead, Eric Mead or Jared or lots of, or Jared now is into much, he's taken a deeper path. But like someone like Eric is perfect example. Some of the best hair in magic, you have to admit, Jared's hair is spectacular. Yeah, it's that, it's that, it's that uh, tricky Jew hair because he doesn't quite look like Jewish hair, but he's, he's, he's very much, you know, that's a part of him. Uh, best hair, it's the uh, best, it's the best. Yeah, uh, he, uh, but yeah, those guys are the, those, you know, uh, Eric is, is kind of the, the example I go back to of like someone who transcends, uh, you know, just by being, being pure, showing, showing it for what it is, you know, showing how beautiful this thing is, this mystery is presenting a mystery that you have found and dug up and, and you are able to unearth in your hands for them can be an artistic gesture, but it has to be so well done. It's like Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma doesn't need to write music. He can just play you Bach, you know, and it's artful. But he has somehow found a way to integrate himself into the work that it becomes transcendent. And more often than not, what I see is people picking up a thing that someone else made and showing you. Here's a thing I found. And not, here's a thing that I have, I have, you know, it's, it's the difference between, you know, going into a store and buying an idol and then being Indiana Jones. And like, you can tell the difference between the guy who went through the cave and came out and, you know, had to dodge arrows and stuff and then has this thing, you know? And that's why, that's why so often it's frustrating to see someone who does all of that work 
you know, is Indiana Jones and they do go through the gauntlet and they finally get the idol. And then some asshole comes over and goes, I'll be taking that and then goes and does it on TV or does it in their show or whatever. And they may find a way of justifying. I was like, well, it didn't belong to him either. And it's like, yeah, but he, he's the one who, who went through all the work to dig it up. And he took, he was the one who made himself vulnerable and, you know, took risks and he did it. Uh, to, to unearth it for us and so it's his for now or whatever but like it's you know i don't yeah i don't i don't think you need to be an artist to be an art like a like a you don't need to try to be an artist like in a i don't know cheesy sense or art, artistic you don't even be artistic but you just need to to know your to connect your craft to yourself in a way that's that's very clear you know like i, I don't I know I go come back to someone like Luke. Luke is so specific in his work. I think, sorry about that, dude. I think what it is, we get capped at an hour. I think that's what it is. You'd been on so, earlier? Oh, okay. Yeah, I was on for about 10 minutes earlier, so I think we get capped at an hour, so that's fine. Sorry about that, everyone. Apologies. We're in the middle of something quite cool there. But, yeah, sorry. Carry on, Derek. On. I have no idea what I was saying. I don't Me neither. <laughs> I was listening, but then I got then I got panicked. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah. We're talking about um, sharing, uh, connecting with the art process and allow it to come from within. So someone like Luke is very attached to it, and there are people that kind of connected to that process, and it comes out from them. You know. Yeah, there's no there's no answer. Uh, there's no answer of like what how to do that. It's just it's learning to recognize the difference between work that's coming where the work is coming from when you see it's you know uh, where the core where the core you know external versus internal uh of the you know process and you can tell when someone works on a very surface level you can tell when they 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 only dig you know as far as they need to dig to achieve what they're showing you and, and there's nothing below that and that's it's very clear I, I always come back to on that level because um, I mean that could be talked about to some extent as if there is a hierarchy of one is better than the other and I always look at it this way I always look at it as authenticity which is that are you authentically doing what you're doing so if someone says hey man I just do some tricks because I'd rather do this than work for some other guy's dream uh, rather than bang my head against a keyboard in this place under fluorescent lighting I love doing tricks and I, I show some people some tricks and I earn some money and I pay for my living there is absolutely nothing wrong for me with that perspective on any level because it's authentic. And yet yeah. if you've got, in the same way, if someone is connecting to something and they say, no, I just, um, I really try and strive for this particular essence in my work or to connect with whatever it is, to me, neither is better than the other. It's about, is the individual authentically connected, honestly and authentically connected to their own motivations, their own drives and what they do. And if they just want to make people laugh, if they want to, if they want to move people like it doesn't matter is just that are you are you authentically connected to it and then on top of that is do you take joy from it like do you take joy from that process if, if you can enjoy your work and be connected to it to me that's you've won yeah you've won yeah i think i agree i think that people mistake uh artistic with um serious often yeah. you know like like i think they they think that being artful means being, you know, you have to be a serious artist. And I don't think that's true. Like, I think someone like, oh, like, uh, like John Archer, you know, is very artful in the way that he approaches his work. It's not, it's, uh, uh, 
it's he he could take the easy path, you know, in terms of being a, a you know a, a funny co- comedic you know magician or whatever. I don't know what he calls himself, ukulele, you know, ist. I don't know what he does. Uh, but he's he's artful in the way that he approaches it, and it comes across in the work. It's just it's you know it's just the quality is better. But he's taking it to a place that others don't because he's working on it in a way that others don't. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't think it, there's, there's there's like like I said, it's art. Else again, if you if you talk to John, I think to a lot of people that I mean, I know John, I know John's in here, so I have a little thing like so. You have to if you could just call John a twat fish, that twat. would make his day. Yeah, that's it. There we go. That would make his day. It makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but the amount of conversations I have with John over the years, and I think people look at him and think, you know, it's all, um, uh, you know, it's, it's comedy and stuff like that, and it's all great and it's fun. But if you speak to John, that the seriousness that he yeah. has in terms of how he understands exactly what his audience is, who his audience is, what his connection is to them, what he um, knows he can do with an audience, respectfully, ethically, all that type of stuff, he really understands exactly who he is, what he's doing. And it's it's wonderful. I mean, that's why I've been had a good relationship with John for many years. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's amazing. But that's it's like Matt King too, you know. It's like the, the it's just like Matt's perf his show's perfect, you know. And it's 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 not something, and it's a testament to how because uh, like when you take people there, I don't know if you've ever taken people to to Mac's show, but if they don't know anything about them they're horrified in the first you know, few minutes because it starts, if you're happy and you know, clap your hands and it encourages the audience to sing along. And everyone's like, what the fuck? What are we, why are we here? And there's children and it's just, what the, what are we doing here? And, uh, and then it slowly rolls. And by the end of it, you, you think he's amazing. But what they don't realize is that is the show. The show is I'm not as dumb as you think I am. The show is I'm 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 not as as dumb as you think. And nice guys don't always have to finish last. That's literally like how Mac has designed the show. Um, and it's impossible to infer that just from sitting there watching it. But you have to understand how much what that actually took to get there. And 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 so like yeah it. But that can't, it comes from passion of what he wants. I mean, Mac doesn't need to still work on his show. Mac could just ride it out and keep doing the same show. But he still works on things and tries new things. And that seems to be, a, you know, a thing that all of the, the really great ones have is they're still searching for something and trying to dig something out to show someone else, you know. And, and, and it's that search that's really, like you said, it's the process of making mistakes and trying new things and, and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, but vulnerability seems to be the thing lacking. Uh, as, as much as authenticity, I think in order to even be authentic, the vulnerability needs to be there first to be able to be genuinely authentic in front of people. You need, you need to be comfortable or willing to be vulnerable. And, you know, people, people don't get into magic to be vulnerable. They get into magic to feel powerful. And, and so it's that paradox that makes it interesting. Uh, if you can find a way to do the two at once, to be both vulnerable and present something that represents a power of some sort, but it's very, very difficult, uh, uh, to get people to become, 
to kind of do the thing that's against why they even got it in in the first place. About necessarily displaying vulnerability, but it's about in order to find truth, you must have come from a position of vulnerability. So in order yeah. to discover that truth, you must have been vulnerable. So it's not yeah. necessarily this idea of displaying the vulnerability, but it's no, 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 no. taking your be willing to go there so that you can discover what you're doing. Look, look at yourself honestly, look at what you're doing critically and go from there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I think people have made them. I mean, people think I maybe I think that that vulnerability means displaying because they, you know, my last show had vulnerability on display. Uh, but that that didn't come from that choice. It wasn't like I'm going to be vulnerable on stage. It came from in order to say the things that I need to say, I need to be vulnerable uh, uh, and and present and and. And part of the part of the reason for that is I was asking so much of my audience that I needed to show them I was willing to go. I, I would never ask them something that I wasn't willing to do myself. I would never ask more of them than I would be willing to do. Um, and and you have to give them a piece of yourself if you're going to ask them for a piece of themselves, you know. And so um, that that is you know that's just important fact otherwise it's there's a disparity between the relationship there's it's, it's already a, there's already a power dynamic of you have all these secrets and you're on a stage and there's lights or whatever people are watching you be powerful and you're asking things of them you know what are you giving them and and entertainment to me is never enough but showing you a thing that you haven't seen before is not enough what are, what are you giving them what, how, how can you be generous with your work and most also interesting, like I, I said this in a, um, I wrote something about your show a while ago when I saw it, which I said, what's interesting about it is it's not only extremely brave, uh, honest and all that stuff, but it recalibrates, I think, uh, for a magician, the understanding on the spectrum of where a magic show can be. You know, often a magic show is about, you know, I come out, I fool you, it's about power, it's about laughter. And we understand to some extent where those parts of the spectrum can be. But I, what, I, what was interesting is that your show to me was a recalibration, I think, for people to go, a magic show can also be this. It was, it's a very a different type of thing. And I thought that that in itself was extremely brave. But I also, um, without without blowing too much smoke up your ass, because, you know, I love you and I think you're great. But also, there's someone asked a really interesting question here. Which is yeah. that how how do these ideas translate to say someone who is not doesn't have their own show and is doing close up or stuff for people? You know what I mean? How do aspects of that translate, or, do, um, or they might not? No, they they, they do, uh, uh, but it requires sacrifice. Um, uh, so uh, how do I say? Let me grab my tea. Hold on, it sounds like a I need I need libation. Uh, one second. Oh, you can... This in the meantime. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, what was the question? Oh, yeah. Context is everything. Um, there are there are some there are some. It is very difficult to to. First of all, I don't, I would never do the kind. I couldn't do the work that I wanted to do in the context that I was being asked to do it. So I stopped doing walk around magic. I just stopped. Um, not, uh, it did not, uh, I stopped doing 
close up. I stopped doing shows altogether. I stopped doing corporate shows. I stopped doing private shows. Um, not because I had money. I needed money, but I was I was willing to go do other things to subsidize uh, my my work. Uh, but I, I needed to not let the box define the work. And I found myself thinking about things like pocket management. Like, where, what, which pocket am I going to put a thing in? That you have to think about these things to be good at that, to be, to be good at that form. I, I just, that was not what I wanted to be thinking about. And so the only way for me to think about the things I wanted to be thinking about, or thought I should be thinking about, was to not not put myself in the context uh, to be thinking about it because I wanted the shows to be good. I wanted to do good corporate shows. I wanted to do good private shows. I still would. I would want to do a good job. And, you know, the shows that I'm doing now certainly wouldn't be good in those environments. You know, no one wants to see, you know, the, the guy they hired crying or, or like talking about, you know, using curse <laughs> or, you know, yeah, yeah or, or, or I'll, I'll be sitting there clapping. Bravo. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, that, that, so I had to, I had to take a step back and not let the proscenium or the frame define the artwork I was making. And I think a lot of times in magic, we let, we, we, we let the frame decide what we're going to paint. And I think that if, if, you know, if magic is paint, you know, what are you going to paint? Why are you going to paint it? Well, what are you trying to, sh- what are you trying to show us with this thing that you've picked up? And so you have to um, admit that in, in doing that, it's the, the choice is the choice to do that, which uh, whether it's a choice or it's um, you're, you're almost forced to do it, whatever it is, it, it is harder in the sense that to make those choices is a very tricky thing. And you have to take more risks and also yeah. probably experience a lot more psychological pressure, a lot more yeah. internal struggles. So it's not as if it's um, an easy path to take to, to, to do those things. Like, no, you have to get a job. It's hard. You have to right. go not make money. Right. Do walk around. Like walk around is easy to like. Like in terms of you know, it's hard waiting tables. You know, it's hard. You know, restocking shelves at a store. Having an actual job is hard, and I think that we have a hard time admitting that most of us just don't want to work for a fucking living. We don't know. You know, we think that regular work is beneath us somehow, and that we, you know, we will. We should be able to, to do our art in this, you know, as an artist doing our shows. No, you have to, you have, you, no, just like every actor in the world, just like every struggling comedian, you have to find a way to pay the bills and then the other, in all your free time, make art, you know? And if you have the discipline to do walk around or do, you know, a show at a, a party or whatever, and then also work on the thing that you feel is the art. If you're able to separate those two, good for you. I, I was never able to. I, I, could, I didn't have the discipline to do that. Um, so I had to just take myself out of, uh, you know, out of the equation, and I just couldn't focus on. Uh, you know, I had to. I had to allow myself the freedom to focus on the work I wanted to to do. There's a picture that kind of like was the moment that I made that decision. Eh, I don't know if it was consciously, but I. There was a headshot that I took that was me flipping off with two hands. I was like with cards over them. I was like flipping off the camera and there's cards over, over my fingers. And I, I was working with Bill Hurz at the time doing corporate gigs. And I sent that to him and he's like, I can't, I can't send this to anyone. Like I can't, you know, it never worked. And I said, well, I guess I'll never work then. 
And like, that was the, I was like, cause this, this is more honest and more authentic and more true to how I feel and what I am and, and who I am and who I want to be in this world than the next, than the next uh, corporate gig. It was more valuable to me to, to be authentic and true to myself and what I wanted to achieve than it was to like book the next gig. And so, you know, I'll get a job, I'll go work, I'll go do something. For us, uh, having that conversation, it was in the UK actually. Uh, we were standing, I think it was at Eastbourne. Um, God, I don't know when, a long time ago. We were standing out, so it was at night, the evening, it was rainy a bit, it was cold as it is normally. And it was before you were doing the, sh- the, the show, it was before you were even doing stuff with health or anything of that, that nature. And I remember specifically you were in a really tricky place because you were kind of half doing some corporate stuff. You were half doing lecture. You were, yeah. You had your foot in, and but you were not happy. You were like, I, I don't feel like I'm in the right place. But I remember you saying to me then, you said, but I, there's some options that I might be able to explore. And I'm I'm unsure what they are. And, and I, I just remember thinking at the time, we were talking then about how to resolve those issues. And it was just interesting for me to see that that movement of you obviously taking some of those risks and, and deciding to you know, make those decisions. Um, yeah. They, have, they were interesting. They have to be decisions though. They have, and like the most interesting, the most interesting, a lot of times, I mean, there are exceptions. There are, there are the people who have, who have, um, found, found, found a way to become great despite the context, but some, or sometimes because of the context, like Eric Mead admits he would never be as great as he is if he didn't have the tower bar. But that was a, that was a laugh. That was his place that he could do whatever he wanted. He could show people whatever. He had no boss. He just got a free platform in people, which is different than I think what most people experience, which is they have commitments to the people above them. They, you know, they have to think about the audience or whatever. Um, but like, you know, uh, you know, people, people like Jared, people like, uh, you know, Weber was a lawyer, you know, the, the people who found, found ways to, to pay bills outside of their work or found platforms that allowed them to experiment, uh, you know, Penn and Teller, they got, you know, they did everything and they did, especially like the Renaissance festivals and stuff like that. It's finding, it's finding a way to align your creativity and your craft and the art that you want to make with a way of making a living. That's, that's the challenge, but the two are very separate. You know, the, like you don't have to be, you don't even have to make money to be an artist. You don't have to get paid to do it. Uh, a lot of the best artists I know don't make money doing that particular art, but they're great artists. So it's, it is tricky to find a balance. I, I was willing to sacrifice commercial success, uh, for, for the work. I still do, uh, often, but that's what I value. And so what are you doing right now? Not to necessarily tip anything, but like, you know, are you still thinking about the next show? Are you thinking about something new? Like, you know, what's your, Where's your, where's your mind at? Uh, well, uh, I'm writing a lot, I'm writing right now, uh, writing a, a book, um, uh, and that's occupied a lot of my time. Uh, I've spent a year making the movie of the, of the show, filming, you know, or yeah, putting the film together. That, that was a, a lot, um. And, uh, but no, I'm not trying to force, uh, I'm cautious to force, like I got a lot of offers to do the next show, you know, like come do the next show for, uh, you know, do the next show. 
a few people might not know when you're saying film the show like they might not necessarily not everyone i'm sure a lot of people do but what that yeah. might mean uh there's a film there's a film translation of in and of itself that i spent uh two years making i guess uh and it was supposed to premiere at, at uh, south by southwest but the apocalypse happened so that didn't happen but so that's still figuring that yeah um, but yeah, I, I'm trying not to, uh, that's fine. David Mead already filmed it. Someone said, uh, I'm trying to, uh, um, I, I'm trying not to let, uh, that's another thing is, is, is I'm sure you had the same thing, like in the past where like you had a, something happen that was good and then you had opportunities come because of that. Like we saw you on this and we want to hire you for that, or we think it'd be great if you made this for us and you, you, you know, you want to take it because these are the opportunities you've never had before. Um, but that's also tricky because you stop making things for the reasons you started making things, you know, and you, you, you start taking the opportunities that are coming outside yourself from outside yourself, as opposed to just continuing to dig inside and figuring out what, what it is you want to say, what it is you're thinking about or exploring. And, and so that's, that's a that's, that's a, a like I said earlier on. I think the um, is is finding ways in that process to take joy to actually have fun. You know, I see a lot of you know a lot of people that that they either don't have fun in the work that they do. And for me, it's a constant thing to go. How can I surround myself with good people? How can I have fun in the work that I do, but also have creative um, or artistic a sense of satisfaction? Like, how can I tick? I'm greedy. What I'm trying to do is tick as many boxes as I can possibly tick. Sure. You know, it's not just about, it's not about money. It's not just about the art. It's not just, it's like, I want to, if for example, I could have the absolute best artistic representation of my work ever, but I was miserable doing it. You, right. You'd have to question whether it was worth it. So, so it's, I think that on some level, it's always a question going, can I be happy as a human being? Can I, can I, you know, there's a lot of things to juggle. And I think that's what makes, it's what makes things difficult for people a lot of the time because they find themselves in a process where they don't quite feel, they feel that what they're doing is out of sync and they don't feel right. And they're a bit well, like, I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing. And it's, it's very difficult to find that balance. You know? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that goes back to why I think, you know, you have to explore why you're drawn to what you're drawn to. In this case, if it's magic or conjuring, as Luke would say, um, or, or whatever, whatever aspect of it why i mean it's not a coincidence why what what why why are you doing this and then not mm -hmm. just not just a uh, a superficial why like an actor has for uh, you know a scene why the fuck why this and and, and you, why why do you do it yeah why why do i do it mm. i don't really have a good answer yet i don't i mean i, I have the I have the technical answers. I have the technical answers, which are, which are, I didn't have a father. Uh, uh, you know, I grew up with a, a mother who led an alternative lifestyle. And so I was keeping secrets at a very early age. And then when I was 12, I found a medium that gave me both the ability to learn how to wield secrets and, and, and use them to protect myself against the world. And it gave me a big brother program to get the paternal, you know, um, influences that I never had growing up. That's, that's like a, factual thing of what, like what I think led me to uh, 
being drawn to magic and, and, and learning it. But I don't know why it's why it persists on being such a part of my life, despite it bringing me so much trouble, you know, and pain. Uh, it's, it's the same way. It's like I, I, I feel a, it's it's probably the wrong word to use right now uh, to say it's some kind of a, a virus, but that there's something like I, I there's no way I couldn't do magic in any form. Um, it's a part. It becomes a part of you. Where I, for me, it's a it's a lot of different things. It's it's a creative pursuit where it allows me to play in ways that have, is the only way that's kept me intellectually stimulated as well as creatively stimulated simultaneously. It's like a it's a constant means of playing. Um, it's a constant means of, of curiosity, um, and yeah. it's challenging and scary. And it's simultaneously this this feeling of movement of objects in the hands and it's also design and strategy and then also performance and it's this delicious blend of all these like elements which to, to anyone else that doesn't do magic they see none of it it's like all of, it's, it's the fact that the, the thing i love about magic for me isn't the bit you see it isn't the tip of the iceberg it's, it's everything underneath if only the tip of the iceberg existed i wouldn't do magic it's because of everything underneath that is the reason I do it. And it's, that's well, hard to explain. I, I understand that. And that's, that's the real challenge is that is, is how do you, how do you help people appreciate the things they will never see or never know, you know, and that's, that's, that's the challenge with magic that, that no other craft or medium has is that, is that we can't, the process is hidden, you know, and you can't see it. And you can't know it uh, because to know it is to destroy the thing that it creates, uh, which is very unusual in that you can have an, you can learn how someone watch how someone plays the piano and it doesn't detract from your appreciation from their work. But if you, you know, if you, if you know what a thumb tip is, it tends to make the silk vanish a little less impressive. Um, so that, that's a, that's a challenge, but I think that's, that's where the being the artist comes in. It's your job to, help translate why this is meaningful and without showing the secret. And I think that's where uh, it's funny that like you can see the, how magicians, what, what the relationship with their medium is because of the pandemic that's going on, because the only thing we, anyone could really think to do is I'll give, I'll teach lessons. I'll, I'll teach you the thing. When you look at other mediums, like, you know, uh, comedians are having concert, like comedy shows, uh, musicians are having concerts. It's, they didn't, they didn't immediately turn and go, we'll teach you how to be funny, or we will teach you how to play an instrument. But magicians go, we'll teach you how to do magic. So our, our relationship with the work is, is such that we, we haven't quite figured out what it means to do magic in terms of our, its relationship to the public. Like, and, what it, the insecurities of what it means to to do you know magic and, and we're afraid of it in a way it's a different relationship with the community itself because you know if you look at the magic community a group of kind of some artists some craftsmen technicians creators thinkers designers all these different people but ultimately a lot of, in a lot of other industries you don't have kind of comedy conventions you know the comedians go out and they do the comedy and they might chat to a couple of comedy friends or watch each other, but most of the art form is done through the performance of it, where there is definitely a part of our industry, which is 
is um, this subculture of people learning and sharing secrets and mm -hmm. developing. And so there's this strange relationship um, between the kind of the learning process and the performance process. And, and I, I try to not really look at it. I mean, it's, it's very difficult, but I, I try to always look at it optimistically and wonder what it can become. And so the things that we do now could possibly kill it becoming a better version of itself or aid it. And it's very difficult to know what those things are. Are they conversations? Are they new modes of communication? Are they, you know, what are they? Is it the world changing? It's very difficult to know. Then is that even a responsibility we should think about? I mean, I mean, uh, these are big questions, but, you know, uh, it, yeah, it interests I, me. I mean, I, Ricky, you know, Ricky said it the best when he said the best thing for magic is doing it well for the public. You know, that, that was it. But the problem is we haven't really, there's no, there's no critical class in magic. So that has not been defined. What, what good magic is, is, is it's not even loosely defined. There's no, I mean, every once in a while, someone like Jamie and Swiss will like lose his mind in a review in a good way where he'll like talk about how terrible something is, or someone will be a voice of, you know, a critical voice, but it doesn't really exist because we all want to be friends and everyone wants to be nice to one another. And it's also maybe to, you know, we, we depend on each other for a living or something like that. So we have to be very nice to each other. But um, uh, Williamson's on here. I don't know if you saw him logging. Uh, but uh, Williamson was never very nice to me. Uh, 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 I have I have evidence <laughs> to prove it. I have, I have a book he signed for me that was not very nice. He, uh, uh, I once, I once tried to, uh, I once tried to show him something. I said, I said, here's something, here's something you might like. And he, he stopped me and he goes, you don't know that. And I was like, what? He goes, you don't know I like this or you don't, you don't, why are you assuming I'll maybe like this? And I was like, uh, I guess I'm wrong, you know? And, <laughs> and, uh, but he was right, you know? And the lesson was don't yeah. ever, don't ever let him see you coming. Like, well, why, why set your up? Bullshit, he says, oh, fuck you. You know what? Get your own Instagram live, Williamson, and then maybe, you know, you'll talk. Uh, but no, it's, it, uh, it, it's like, there, 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 there's, there's not really a, there's no crying in baseball anymore, you know? And, and, uh, Fernand apparently would make people cry and stuff like that. Uh, but like, I don't think we need to be mean, but I think we need to be honest with each other. And there needs to be some sort of, uh, some sort of consensus on what quality is or else we're all just going to end up, you know, uh, patting each other on the back, even after a shitty show. And, and I, I surrounded myself with people who were very honest with me, uh, and, and it, it helped. Uh, but a lot of people don't want to hear that, but they don't want to hear that that could be better because it's, it, it hurts. But, but if the goal is to create something, you know, create something wonderful or meaningful or valuable outside of a commercial value, then you need that. You need so you need people to tell you what's good and what's bad. And uh, right now, there's just no art, though. And I think, like you said it earlier on, that um, you know people don't get into magic for that reason. I was I always use sports and as an analogy for almost everything. I overuse sports analogies, but you know I grew up playing a lot of them. But it's like you can't just that's make why people don't understand what the fuck you're talking about, Ben, because you're talking about sports and magicians don't <laughs> aren't in sports, and so we don't know what you're talking. About. Yeah, well, you know, well, I'm going to use a sports analogy anyway. So, so basically, all it is is that if, let's say you're doing jiu-jitsu or basketball, whatever. If you're not good enough to make the team, you're not good enough to make the team. And there's an element of honesty. It's not about someone being hard. 
but there's an element of honesty that you have to have with yourself because if if you don't make the team you've got two choices you go i've got to go away and work harder to make the team um or you know i can give up you know uh but ultimately the person that said you're not good enough is not trying to make a, a, a judgment beyond anything other than it's not personal it's like we just need a certain quality and i think that i think that i'm not trying to necessarily say that everyone should be better but i think that just being more honest with yourself is the place for that to start as a magician and sitting there instead of thinking about how great you do something is to go you know can i can i be better can i be more entertaining can i be funnier can i be whatever those drives are you have yeah but can i do this stuff better yeah okay but you're talking about people who are like looking at themselves to like understand themselves and and i think people people who get into magic, generally speaking, are not trying to understand themselves or the world around them. They're trying to under, they're trying to, to get something that allows them to enter the world that they, you know, to give them access to the world in a way they wouldn't normally have. So I, you know, uh, c comedy comedians, they, they, their medium forces them, the good ones at least to be vulnerable and to, or to be, to act, to go inward because they, in order to access the comedy, they need to understand themselves and how they see the world. They need to develop a, a voice and a lens. Magic, you do not need that, you know. Uh, it, it, it can carry you, and that's that's dangerous to have this powerful medium that can, you know, can carry, like Weber says, it can carry a weak performer. Um, and so I think that, uh, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as intellectual as uh, uh I think it is like maybe your level of understanding magic, you know, and, and, and guys who are out there really thinking about this, like, you know, uh, um, or like Luke and good, you know, guys who are deep thinkers and stuff, but it's, it's more emotional than is emotional intelligence as much as it is an actual intelligence. Uh, because they just, I don't think people, I, I don't trust the magicians are willing to go to the places they need to go to, to make the change that needs to happen because it's not a, it's, it's yeah it's, it's i don't think it's an academic thing i think it's a, a emotional healing needs to happen because they got into magic because they they were using it to protect themselves some in some way definitely but i i know people that got into magic specifically because of terrible things that happened in their life and as a result you know probably for a lot of us like magic is a form of a coping mechanism and i think that it's it's hard enough you know uh to do anything in magic, to, to, to be good technically, to, to, to perform, to like entertain, to deceive, to do any of those things, but also have this thing that you've used as a coping mechanism. It's it's really in, bound up in who you are, and it's very difficult to let part of that out. It's I, th I always say the same thing. Magic is really, really effing difficult. It yeah, is it's it's so hard. It's so it hard. It's it not is. just learning a pass. It's not just no, doing it's, a move. It's re it's hard and beautiful, but hard. It's hard. I guess I guess I come back to one question: is is what what if you're you're hiding an awful lot? You know, as a magician, you have to. You have those things you're hiding. What are you revealing? What are you revealing to them? And that's an open-ended question, but that's the point. What are you revealing? And people are gonna, you know, everyone goes about it differently. A lot of times it, it comes out as like really preachy, you know, it's not language based. Though. That's not a language based question of what you're revealing. You can reveal, you know, tell her, you know, tell her the silent, but the best pieces in the, you know, their show 
are Teller's pieces and they're silent. And he's revealing more in those pieces than anything else where Penn's yapping away about freedom or whatever. It's because it's allowing the poetry in the room for us to infer what we want out of it. And, and so, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I mean, even this, even this, like, I, I don't, uh, you and I are, are you know, starting to, to, to get up in age in terms of like, we're, we're, we're the age when the guys that we... What are you doing? <laughs> Dude, I'm young. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. I'm, young. I'm getting younger, in fact. I, I realized this recently. I thought, I go the other day, I thought, I'm definitely getting younger. That's definitely happening. So, I mean, you know, you speak about that. You're, you're right. You're right. We're, we're similar age, so it's fine. I get it. I just, I just mean in a sense, I, I can't help but think that, like, I'm the age now where, like, I met the guys that I worship. You know, I, I, they were my age when I met them. Uh, and, and I, they were, you know, they were, they were heroes and they are heroes. They still are. Except Williamson, he can go fuck himself now, but everyone else is a hero. Um, Mm -hmm. Archer has just replaced Williamson as my hero. Um, but, uh, but, but, but no, but, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know that those types of, um, I don't know. I don't know because of uh, how how things are learned now. I don't know how. I know, like John Wilson's here. Like John is a, is a student, you know, into a master type of worker. You know, he's the guy who who thinks about things. You know, uh, Mertz Miller Mueller. I don't know. I, I've seen his work. It's amazing, and you can tell like guys who are like, you know, the the student who will eventually be the master type stuff. But overall. I don't, you know, percentage-wise, I don't even know how many people are on this, but most people don't give a fuck. Most people, it's a thing that they do for fun to show someone a thing, and it makes them interesting. And that you can't casually be, like, a professional anything else, really. It's really hard to be, you know, a hobbyist professional actor who is in movies. You know, it's just, you're either in or you're out. And Magic has this weird thing where we allow for... Uh, you know, the, the people who give very few fucks to be in the same room with the people who give all the fucks. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the, it's Tommy Wonder wrote about it. It's like one big happy family or whatever it is. It's like the brotherhood. It's like, well, yeah, that's the way it is. But like, it's also a bit of a problem because it muddies again, the dialogue, it muddies the critical class, the academic class. We don't know who the fuck to listen to. I don't know who an expert is. There are people who don't, you know, think people are experts they don't know you know who to listen to so they end up listening to who offers them the information because it's accessible but like i had to look for these people and you did too like we had to find them you know yep. and and that now people just don't keep they go to an instagram live and they find two fucking assholes talking about whatever and they go these guys must know what they're talking about and they don't you know do we fuck i mean you know the, the weird thing is i mean that's is a really interesting point because you and i uh, we're pretty much, you know, we're the same age pretty much. And I think that we grew up in a time where we were there before the internet and the online stuff and all that was a thing. And we we were there after. So we, we kind of bridged that gap where in our kind of formative years, it, there was a point where it wasn't there. And then there was a point where it was there. And when it wasn't there, you, you had to go on a mental journey to find even the tiniest piece of information it was in a book, and then you'd have to read that to get a reference, and then go on a train to speak to a guy that may or may not be in a particular place. Whereas nowadays, you can find something instantaneously, and that 
And what's interesting is that both parts of those have got major advantages and disadvantages. And so I find myself constantly trying to mix between old school ways of doing things and new school ways of doing things, particularly looking for where the advantage lays, as opposed to just what's the easiest. Because the easiest is often, often, it's not always right. Sometimes it might be, you might be lucky, but it's not always right. And it's, it's, it's happens, so often you have to work for information. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just think ma magic rewards people quickly. Like, so I think that it's, uh, it's easy to get trapped in like the, the, it's like everything is, is sweet and delicious. You know, it's like everything just, so oh, that's it's like, it's, it's instantly gratifying. Um, but nothing sustains you because it's all just like, it's like eating, eating candy. It's not, there's no substance there in a lot of cases. And so, and we don't, we don't reward substance because it's, it's treated the same way as, you know, uh, anything else. So that's, that's really a, a a frustrating part of magic, I guess. It's just something you have to live with. Yeah, and um, here's something for you quickly. Did you um, did you find that photo? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued as to what that photo is. You spent yeah. so long looking for it. Even I what want to see it now. What do you search? I stopped looking a while ago. What do you search to? Is it JPEGs or there's there's a thing that you can? I think I got it. Hold on. Uh, let me. Here we go. So was from was this from? Was this from when we met up in Vegas? Or yeah, was this from Vegas. And you okay? Uh, Luke was. It was at Luke's. That Luke got it. so drunk. Uh, it was at the um, oh, what's it called? Not the Asylum Casino. Uh, the the uh, I know what you mean. It was at Luke's thing, and yeah, Luke got uh, quite. Those are my two memories. Tips. He was celebrating. He just he just had a successful event for the first time, and uh, and. Uh, he forgot that that he's human. I think. Um, also, you remember, uh, Rod was there. Rod the Hop. Uh, I think it was around the first time that I met Rod. Um, yeah. And then there's a whole load of stories I could tell. As I'm sure you could about me going off to chicken houses and seeing strange gambling equipment in weird places with Rod and just amazing stuff. And that was a really interesting time. I remember. Yeah, that's also one of the first times I think I properly met Weber. And I think Weber was the guy that actually broke up the fight between Luke and the, the casino owner. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, that was great. I, I can't uh, believe you have a photo from that. That's great. Are there people asking questions while I'm looking for this? You can you can read it. Yeah, well, you, know, well, you know what? If you find it, uh, yes, that is Luke Jermay. Yeah, and Luke and I go way back. I've known Luke since, um, man, since 20-plus years maybe now, uh, from when we were kids. And, um, see, so yeah, I go way back with Luke. He's great, always been brilliant. Um, but, yeah, if you if you can't find this picture, send it to me anyway, and I might... I might pop it up for just the people that were in this chat and just so they can see it. Do they uh, care? I might not. No, they don't care. They don't care. They don't. I'll just keep it for myself. Oh, here, I mentioned this. Uh, here, I'll show this because I mentioned it. So this is this is when I decided, uh, this is when I decided, well, I guess I'm done working for a living. Um, I don't know if you can see that. That was the photo. So there, I'll, do you know what? This is around the time because we had this discussion. Do you remember? Because I had this picture. It was me doing this. Oh yeah. So and we had we had similar things at the time because I had the same things where I I just didn't. It wasn't that I was afraid of my face, but I I didn't know how to engage with the the, the kind of PR commercial side of what I was doing. 
And so I was just like, my manager at the time was like, you can't hide your face. What are you, are you insane? I was like, but I like it. I'm doing this. And she's like, you're, you're nuts. You can't hide your face. I was like, oh, you know, uh, I still like that guy, picture. Right. The guy who took that picture is on, you just pulled, hey, Bryce. Uh, the guy who took that picture is on here. Uh, Bryce, is, Bryce Craig is an amazing photographer who I've known for, oh, my God, 15 years or more. Um, and he's taken all of the shots that uh, I ever really use uh, for promotional material. And I, it's not that I haven't tried other people. I have. I've tried to get rid of Bryce many times, but just <laughs> better photos than other people for some. Oh, by the way, say uh, say bye to um, Dave, say bye to Williamson. He's on his way off, so we'll say bye. Right, fuck you, Williamson. <laughs> well, well, you know, what, I'll, we'll see if uh, he'll come on. He'll be good. He'll come on. We'll, uh, we'll have we'll have a chat. What what uh, what else is going on? seriously within it and there's definitely been times where i've taken myself seriously too seriously and that that's a tricky thing to learn how do you take the art seriously but somehow be light within it that's a that's a difficult balance to strike but even so someone that really takes the, the art seriously and you see their connection to the material you see the kind of details they come up with and you see how much they care that passion i think that's infectious to anyone i think it's infectious to an audience to to fellow people, to the community, it's a it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah. That's, yeah. When you create a show, did you start by what you wanted them to feel? Uh, no. Uh, no, I started with what I wanted me to feel, uh, uh, and what what I wanted to. Uh, say and and then looked at the hurdles that were standing in the way of me saying that and i realized that identity was a big part of that they can't hear you if they think you're a magician because magicians just say patter and lies so in order to even say something uh you need to deconstruct what they believe you are first i mean that was my my thinking um and I, I saw someone said, uh, you talked on the podcast about not wanting to do uh, do on-stage therapy. Yeah. And what's the, where do you draw the line between being vulnerable and authentic? Um, 
uh, it has to be for, for uh, there, there's a transition that needs to be made where it needs to be about them. It needs to be for, for them. Uh, uh, you know, this is where like the Williamson and me kicks in. It's like, you can be a serious, woe is me artist all you want, but in the end it needs to be for, it needs to be a shared experience. So you can, you can look inward and try to even heal yourself with the work that you're doing, but it needs, it needs to also have an opportunity to heal them if that's what you're doing. Or if it's not about healing, if it's about, you know, uh, finding intrigue in something, it needs to also intrigue them. So it needs to be a shared experience. It can't just be, we're watching a guy do something for himself. Uh, they, you need, they need, it needs to be, it needs to be very clear that you're doing it for them, with them and for them. So, you know, very quickly, I, as much as I want to keep talking forever, my headphones keep popping in and out. So I'm having to like charge them up. I'm also very conscious that we're getting close to having another hour stream cut off. We were going to have talked to like nearly two hours. It's insane. And, um, I think what we'll do is, you know, it's been great reconnecting with you. Yeah. But you find that anyway. Yeah, but it's been amazing us kind of reconnecting and talking. You know, we haven't talked to together in a while. We've both been busy. It's great. But, you know, I'd like everyone here just show. I mean, look, I'm saying this like I've done this before. This is why I've never said this, but it feels like I should say it. Like, just everyone show Derek some love because to come on and do this is not something that Derek would normally do. And it's just giving you some kind of amazing, amazing stuff. So just, you know, show some love, man. It's great. It's honestly uh, coming on here and doing this, Derek, is great. All right. Well, you do a good um, job making it seem like this is worthwhile. So keep up the good work. <laughs> I will do. Right. Well, look, you know what? Um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Um, if you can find that picture, send it to me because I really do want to see that. I really yeah, want to see that. I'll find you it. You know, do that. Well, look, you know, you know, let's stay in touch. Carry on, stay in touch. Give my love to the family and everyone else. And, you know, yeah. thanks, guys, for everyone coming in and, you know, joining. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> okay. Yes, thank you.